You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God, you see that open your Bible at Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. How many of you have ever taken a walk down our beach side here and gone and gotten ice cream? Let me see. That's the done thing in this area, isn't that right? Now imagine one day you are walking down next to the beach along the walkway there. And there you see me and my beautiful wife. We're sitting on the wall, and we're enjoying an ice cream together. Would that surprise you? That's what we do yeah, in this area, isn't that right? Everybody's done it sometime. And so if you haven't, I encourage you to do it. It's wonderful. So you see me sitting there with an ice cream. Now maybe that's the first time you've seen me outside the building. Maybe it's the first time you've seen me anywhere, whether at a restaurant, the mall, or whatever. Maybe it's the first time. And you see me sitting there eating an ice cream. Would you go home from there and tell everybody you see from that day on? Do you know that the only thing Pastor Alan eats is ice cream? Would you assume that? Or would you think, I happen to see him eating ice cream. And so obviously, I'm, I'm sure if he's healthy, he looks healthy, he must have a balanced diet. Would you assume that? that that's a good thing to assume. Because <laughs> you don't get to stay healthy by only eating ice cream. Tonight is our increase anointing evening. And it's something the Lord laid on my heart many years ago. And every year, the one year I did ask God, I said, Lord, do you want to do it again? Because I don't want to do anything out of religious tradition. I only, Jesus said, he only does things for which the Father desires. I said, Lord, do you want to do it this year? He says, I'm always ready to increase you. I'm always ready to increase you. And so... The very first time the Lord laid it on my heart when we first did it was that we had gone through a very tough time as a nation. Uh, you've probably heard my testimony before where uh, when there was a recession in South Africa, I happened to be visiting in the United States just in, in the midst of that recession. And I visited with a church and the pastor asked me, he said, I hear there's a recession in South Africa. So I said, yes, that's what they tell us. So he says, how's it affecting you? I said, I've chosen not to participate. See, I'm not of this world. I'm living in it. But this is not my source. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And so the Lord laid it on my heart that we as a church don't have to go through it. I know how to live through recessions. I know how to live just as Isaac, even when there was a drought in the land, he sowed his seed. And when everybody else was struggling, he reaped 100 fold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. And so Janine and I know how to live this, but I don't just want to live it for me. I want you to experience the same thing. And so we were believing God. It came to the end of the year that people were saying, you know, companies aren't giving increases. They aren't giving bonuses and things like that. I said, 
Praise God. We're going to trust God for increase. We're going to trust God for bonuses. We're going to trust God for promotions. And even a young man came to me and said, Pastor Alan, my company told me that we would not, no one is getting an increase this year. And I said to him, but you work there now. He said, I got it. And he, he came to this, uh, this increase, that increase anointing evening. He sowed his seed. And then he came back with a testimony after that. He said, Pastor Alan, this is what happened. I went to work. My boss called me aside and says, now don't tell anybody else, but I'm only giving you an increase. Family, God knows how to get to you. He knows how to promote you. He knows how to increase you even when no one else is getting it. And so if this is your first introduction to me, if this is you being invited and this is the first time you've ever been in this church, if this is the first time you're seeing me on television or it's the first time you're listening to the CD, you do understand that because it's an increase anointing even to an increase bonus promotions, we will be talking about finances somewhere. But we don't assume that's all Pastor Allen talks about. If you happen to see me today, then if I'm talking about it, then one out of one, yes, that's all I spoke about. But we need to just understand there's a whole diet, and I don't have to, to, to prove it. I don't have to justify it. It's just so that I don't want you to switch off because what God has for you, you want to make sure you're open. We believe in good marriages. We believe in faith. We believe in love. We believe in prayer. We believe in hearing the voice of God. We believe in praying in other tongues. We, we study so many things. But when it comes to financial issues, the enemy has worked so hard to get people to switch off to the message. Why? Because if he can get us ignorant to the truth of God's word, look at Isaiah 5 verse 13. My people have gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. How many people are struggling today and battling financially because they don't know what the word of God has to say on the thing? Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of money. Oh, they don't know what it says. My people are destroyed for a lack of education. My people are destroyed because they're the wrong color. My people are destroyed for a lack of, of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. See, if I don't understand the Word of God, the area that I am ignorant in, is exactly where Satan will target me to destroy my life. See, I can be wonderful. I can pray in other tongues, lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. But if I'm ignorant in one area, that's the area Satan's going to target and keep me and try and destroy my life in that area because of a lack of knowledge. And then I hear people talking about the prosperity gospel and like it's a bad thing. And, that, and, and what does that mean? And they'll quote scriptures, they'll use this one like, if you go have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but he's obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, 
from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. And people will say, those that preach that God wants to prosper you, because when I say, what is the prosperity gospel? When people say, the prosperity gospel, what is that? And I've heard someone define it for the for, you know, for sake of those who want to believe in it, is that the prosperity gospel is using God to make you rich. You think just because you're saved and you're serving Jesus that, that your wealth is the proof of God's blessing. Now, family of God, I know that in any message, anything that we teach, there can be excesses. There are people that abuse certain doctrines. How many you know that's true even in the world? There are doctors that are abusive. They, they corrupt. But if someone needs a doctor, you can go to your doctor because you trust him. He's not the corrupt one. We don't say, oh, man, there's a corrupt doctor. I'm not interested in that. Isn't that right? That's true with accountants, lawyers. Uh, even when you talk about politicians, that people say, oh, politicians are corrupt. Joseph wasn't. He was a man of integrity, and he stood for integrity. And even though they tried to take him down, he stood, and he was a good steward over his master's finances. He was a steward in his, uh, with his master's wife. He refused to give in to sexual attraction. He refused to collapse even in prison. He refused to get offended. He stood in integrity, and God promoted him to the highest office in politics, he ran the nation. We trusting for men and women of God of integrity to look after this nation. Say amen. So your vote does count when you vote in integrity, hearing God's voice. It's important. Amen. I want to go down that road now because sometimes people say, I don't know who to vote for, so I'm just not voting. If you don't vote, you've effectively voted for the one you didn't want to come into power because your vote's minus one now. So it is a vote. A no vote is a negative vote. So if you want to vote for who the Lord's leading you to vote for, you need to go out and do that. Amen. That's not my message. That's just for tomorrow. So... The point I'm making is, even though some people may be corrupt, I want you to get the focus on this here. It says here, effectively, if anyone teaches otherwise, otherwise what? Other than the gospel, the word of God. If it's not in the word of God, and notice it says in verse 4, they are obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. It's interesting that those who are anti-anything, prosperity, healing, Anything that God wants to do, have you noticed how that's really all they teach? I oh, know you don't because you never watch it, I know. But have you noticed that it's, it's always anti this, anti this, anti this. I want to say, well, what are you for? What are you teaching? Because they want to take down this name and take down that name and, and this preacher and this one's wrong and that one's a false doctrine. Meanwhile, you go back to the word of God, we need to be teaching the gospel. Come on, shout amen. So what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Bump your name and say, that's a good question. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure 
that if, if, if these are those who suppose godliness is a means to gain. That's probably their interpretation because quite frankly, I have never, as I say, there are those that may be corrupt, but I personally, the speakers I listen to, not one has ever said, we got saved in order to get rich. I've never heard that preached, even though it's been accused. And you say, amen. Have you ever heard me say that? What is the gospel? We have to focus on what Jesus died for. It says Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach what? Preach what? The gospel to every creature. What's the gospel? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So this isn't even based on whether you sin or not. Because here's the thing, every one of us have sinned. Here's another thing, every one of us are probably going to sin again. But thank God, the blood of Jesus has paid the price for it. See, it's not based on whether I've sinned or not, for by grace you saved how? Through faith, and that's not of your works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. Lift your hand and say, my salvation is God's gift, and it's paid for in full by the blood of Jesus. See, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Family, get a hold of this. Jesus, God, is not sending anybody to hell. We were already destined for hell. He who does not believe is already condemned. How can a God who loves people send people to hell? It's our own son that did that. But God loved you enough to send his son to pay the price you should have paid. And by him having paid the price, when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you are brought out of that. And now there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting a hold of it. Say, that is the gospel. Say, that is the gospel. Now, what does the gospel include? Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. How are we saved? Through faith. He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Abraham was preached the gospel before Jesus even came to the earth. Now, how do you know? That the gospel, if, if the word, the scripture, foreseeing the word of God, that's Jesus. If he is preaching the gospel to Abraham, he can't say, now you know about Jesus and the cross? Because it hasn't happened yet. But he says he's still got the gospel. And what was the gospel? Yeah, it is. He preached the gospel saying, say this, I'm about to hear what Jesus thinks the gospel is. Say amen. What's the gospel? In you, all nations shall be blessed. 
So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. How many of you are born again? Do you believe the same way Abraham believes? If God speaks, you believe it? If you believe he's faithful to watch over his word to perform it? If you believe if God has promised, he's also faithful to complete it? That's what Abraham believed. Do you believe that? Then you're believing with him. Are you with me? And if you're believing with him, you're also blessed. And that is the gospel. And what was that? When you, what, what, what was he quoting from here? You see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham at the time, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Say this, I've just heard the gospel. And notice he says, I will make your name great. Now it's interesting for God to get this done. He says, I got to get you out of doubt and unbelief. I'm taking you away from people that don't see it the way I want you to see it. They don't see it the way I see it. Sometimes God's going to have to move you and, and take you out of that little ring of doubt and unbelief. People that aren't big enough to see where God's taking you and there's going to be a change. You see, when, when Joseph heard that he's going to be a ruler and his brothers and his fathers would bow before him, they said, who do you think you are? Uh, you expect me to bow in front of you? And God says, I need to get you out of that doubt and unbelief because where I'm taking you to, these small minds are going to keep you back. And so he needs to get him out of there. And he may even use, even if it's adverse circumstances, he didn't create that, but it happened. God says, there, we can go ahead with that and take him through a journey. But the whole time moving him away from doubt and unbelief into a place where he knew his God would deliver him. And he saw it again and again and again. So by the time it came where it's now, you're going to rule a nation. Me? I've never been to political school. I've never had an education. I don't have a Harvard degree. I don't have anything that says I'm a politician. Yes, but you know how to hear my voice and you believe me and I'm putting you in above the politicians, above the educated, above those who have all the know-how. You're going to run this nation and you're going to run this economy. Family, get ready. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what education you have. I don't care what people have been saying about you. God's making a change. Don't worry when someone says, I can't hang out with you anymore. Hallelujah. I don't, I know who my God is. If he's for me, who can be against me? I just don't see it the way your church sees it. It's not my church. It's the word of God. I believe God. I believe his word. I'm going to where God's taking me. And you get to trust God this way, family, you're ready for promotion. See, we have to break free. See, the gospel is about salvation. The only thing we need people to know is that Jesus died for you, gave his life for you, and he rose from the dead. And if you believe that, you are saved and you're destined for eternity in heaven. If you leave this planet, you have a place marked, ready for you. But now... 
We have to complete our time on this earth. And I'm here for one reason only, is to get more people saved, to preach the gospel to them. But I understand that to do that, I need to live on this planet. And on this planet, you need a house to live in. This body needs food. It needs clothes. I need to get from here to there. Sometimes I have to cross an ocean. I can't swim that far. I don't care. The rowboat's not going to get me there. Even a little speedboat. Even a, No, I want to get there within a few hours. That's going to take a bit more money than a rowboat. How many you understand? If I'm going to be a blessing, I'm going to have to first be blessed in order to get the gospel preached. It's not about me just being a millionaire to be a millionaire. It's not about me just having a nice house or a nice car. It's about so that I can take what God has put into my life and deposit it into yours so that you can also be a blessing. It's receiving the blessing to be a blessing. Lift your hand and say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. See, the gospel, there's no such thing as the prosperity gospel. There is only the gospel. But the gospel includes your salvation. It includes your healing. It includes your deliverance. It includes your protection. And it includes your provision. You better give me scripture for that, Pastor Alan. You know how I preach. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing. How am you blessed? Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes one. Makes one. Makes one. What? Yeah, but that's spiritual riches. Uh, 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 go, go check your Hebrew. See, we can make things sound spiritual by changing our voice. A spiritual blessing. It doesn't make me believe you more. Go check the Hebrew. It talks about natural earthly wealth. Money. Everybody say it. I know it's the M word. We, we, we struggle with certain words, you know. It's the M word. Say it. Say money. People get nervous. You talk about money in church. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go read your Jesus. He spoke more about money than almost every other subject. He kept dealing with, with things and how you handle them and how you're going to handle wealth and what it's going to do to you and how it can get on the inside of you. He's going to try. The enemy's going to use everything he can. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus dealt with those issues. So we need to talk about what he spoke about. The blessing of the Lord makes one. So that's the word. That's in your Bible. And he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. Now that word sorrow, the word sorrow is the Strong's number 6089. It means the word is eseb. I'm not Hebrew, so if a Hebrew scholar is here and I said that wrong, please excuse me. I'm just reading the dictionary. Eseb means painful toil, grievous, idle labor, sorrow, or hardship. Notice it says there, painful toil. How I many you know there is a way to get rich in the world? 
but it can cause ulcers, it can cause all kinds of worries and concerns and, and stress and I've got to get to work, I've got to make more money, I'm going to struggle, I'm going to battle. Yeah, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord does make you rich. There is a rich that God has made available, but there will be no stress, no toil, and no worry or concern with it. Can you see that? All right, now with that in mind, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich. Oh. Say what? Say this. Jesus was rich. People think, you know, Jesus was so poor. He walked around with all these disciples. I got no place to put my head. Foxes have owls and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to even lie down. Well, there already I have a contradictory scripture because the Bible says that when there was a storm, the disciples were worried, but Jesus was asleep with his head on a pillow. So he had a place to put his head that day. But then another time they said, where are you staying? He said, come, let me show you. And he took them to his house. Are you, are you with me? Family, you've got to be very cautious around spiritual ignorance. Jesus was anything but poor. You don't feed 5,000 people on 120 denarii. Even Philip said, that's not enough. Jesus says, you, you, not, you don't understand the kingdom. What do you have? Well, I just got five loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Let me show you. Give it to me. And what did he do? He blessed it and he could feed 5,000 people. That is not a poor man. Have you ever had a 5,000 seat party? Come to my house for a bride. I don't care who comes. Just anyone come, come, just come. Jesus did that. Amen. I don't have time to get into that. There's, there's a whole, I can spend the next 10 minutes showing you scripture. But he has one verse that qualifies it. Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you can have a good example and be poor and just walk and trust God to get to heaven one day. No, that's not the gospel. What is the gospel? What the word says. What does the word say? That Jesus, though he was rich, for your sakes became poor. Jesus bore your sickness so that by his stripes you may be healed. Jesus was made to be a curse that you may be blessed. Jesus went to hell so that you can go to heaven. Jesus, for your sake, became Poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. Say this, Jesus evidently wants me to be rich. Now, family of God, the very definition of rich is different for different people. That's where people make a mistake. Someone says, are you telling me everybody has to be a millionaire, otherwise they're not a Christian? I never said that. Now, if you need a million rand, yes. 
I don't have million rand dreams. I have billion rand dreams. Million rand is small change. Come on. You getting this? But not everybody has a million rand dream. What is your dream? See, whatever it is, true prosperity is not about how much money you got in the bank or how much money is in, in your pocket. Because Jesus walked around with 120 denarii. It wasn't enough. But when he needed the provision, he knew how to draw on it. Whatever you need, your question should not be, how much money do I have in the bank? When God calls you to a position, it's not, can I afford it? See, when Janine and I were called into ministry, I was very successful as a computer programmer, a systems analyst. I was, had a great career ahead of me. I was being paid a phenomenal salary back then. Programmers could demand almost anything they wanted. We were doing very, very well. Thank you. And then the Lord called us into ministry. And I remember the very first time sitting with Pastor Theo and he says, what are you being paid at the moment? He's going to take us on staff now. And he's obviously deciding what he's going to pay us. He says, how much are you earning? And I told him and he looked at me blank. Now I can see his head's calculating. And he says, you know, I can't match that at the moment with the, with the ministry. We don't pay pastors that kind of salary. I said, that's not why I'm joining. That's not why God called me on a staff, and I know what we need to live, and whatever you can do, you do. The rest, I know God will look after me. Why? If he's called, he will pay. He will provide. So this thing, he got into it for the money, that's, that's a bunch of nonsense. You getting what I'm saying? When we came to plant the church here, we sold our home in Johannesburg, and we took everything we had. We came to people that didn't even know this. A lot of them didn't even know that Matthew, Mark looked at John. I mean, you know, you have to, you have to now still teach the gospel. And so who's going to finance it? We took our, the income from our sale of our home. We put it all into the gospel. Why? Because we're not coming to get money. We're coming to sow the word of God, to preach the kingdom. And by doing that, God has always provided, always supplied. So when you look at my life, you are seeing a harvest on seed that is sown. And anybody can tap into that. Anybody can put that into action. Say amen. And so God is promoting you, increasing you, and He's getting you ready to step further than you could ever imagine. And so I'm not making a decision based on whether I have the money for it or not. You make your decision. Has God called you? Has God sent you? Because here's the thing. You don't have to be a, a, a big investor, a big banker, a big accountant, a doctor. People think who are rich people. No, you can be working just doing something in a restaurant. We've God's called you to be in a place because I need you there. So whoever comes into that restaurant, you can preach the gospel to. God will use another way to provide for you and supply for you. We have to renew our minds that if God wants me to have it, he'll get it to me. Shout amen. Family God, I'm renewing your mind here because I don't want you hooked up in all the junk that's out there trying to stop you. It amazes me how much people will fight to keep you poor. Why would you argue to stay poor? It doesn't get you to heaven any better. I need to live life the way God has ordained for us to live. How do you say amen to that? 
Now, this, this that he's talking about here, the grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, yet you through his poverty might become rich. That again is talking in the realm of physical provision, physical supply. And it's evident because if you go back to verse 7, he says there, As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So you see there is grace for peace and there's grace for all the other aspects of the kingdom. But he says, now you're doing well in terms of faith and peace and all these other things. But make sure you abound in this grace also. Now what grace is he talking about? If you read chapter 8 and 9, you realize he's talking about in the aspect of your physical giving. Everybody say giving. You have a look at chapter 9, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a... So if people think, I just don't get it, I don't feel like giving, I don't want it. Don't. Don't. Amen. I don't believe in that stuff. Okay. I'm not forcing anybody to believe it. How do you want this? Then we renew our mind to it. Now notice he says here that give as you purpose in your heart. It's your decision. God will place it in your heart. Now we've been learning that the heart is the voice of my spirit. And so this is where God speaks to you about giving. It's not how much I have in the bank. It's not what my mind thinks is a good idea. This is as the Lord leads me. Say it's as the Lord leads me. And he says, verse 8, if we do that, God is able to make how much? All grace abound towards you that you how often? Always have how much? All sufficiency in how many things? All things that you may also have an abundance for? Every good work. Now that sounds like blessed to be a blessing. Have all sufficiency in all things. Can you dream and see your house paid for in full? Not paying someone else's rented. Your house without a debt. Paid for. Your car. Cash. Full of petrol. Grocery cupboard full. All the clothes you need. That when you get your salary, you wonder, what am I going to do with this this month? And that's an abundance for how many good works? In other words, if someone says, we need you to do this, I can do that. We also need you here. Yes, I can. And over here. Yes, I can do that. Because people, you know, people get nervous. If you, wanna, if you give too much to many people, then all of a sudden everybody wants. Hallelujah. I want to be in a place where I don't care who comes, whether they deserve it or not, whether they're abusing me or not, or using me or not, I can just keep giving out. Why? Because I'm not here to judge whether you're using the gift right or not. If I give you a gift, it's so that I can be a blessing in your life. Shout amen. amen. That's the kind of lifestyle God's ordained for you to enjoy. See, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, he who did not spare his own son. Number one, he delivered him up for us all. Now, that's the, the beginning of the gospel. That's what we spoke about. Jesus was given for your spiritual salvation. Say amen. But notice it says, how shall he not with him also? 
There's a B part. Freely give us how many? Oh, so it's not just about getting to heaven. It's not only about spiritual things. Come on. God's primary call on you is in the realm of the Spirit. But He also wants to freely give you all things. Have a look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given us how many? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Family, the world chase after things. There's corruption in politics, in finances, in, in whatever. But that's the world. You've escaped from it. See, the key is not to be caught up in the lust for things. See, I don't want things for things' sake, but I need things. He's freely given us all things pertaining to life. If you need it for life, He's given it to you, whatever you need. Say, God has given me everything I need for my life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Paul is telling Timothy to command rich people. Now, what does command mean? You're going to give an instruction. Now, do you think that tomorrow, well, it's a holiday, but let's say Tuesday, I go find the richest person in this area. But they don't know Jesus. I don't, I'm not saying this about the richest person. I'm just saying let's assume whoever there is a rich person, but they don't know Jesus. They don't want to serve Jesus. They're not interested in the gospel. They don't care about us as a church. And I go sit in front of them and I say, I've come to command you. How do you think he'll receive that? Uh-uh. So evidently this is not talking about unsaved rich people. I can give a command to you, but it's based on it is written. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. There's something you need to command rich people, which tells me there are rich people in Timothy's church. So what does he do? He says there are rich people in the church. Let me see. Who are our rich people? Ah, The blessing of the Lord makes one. That's you. So this is your command. Command those who are rich in this present age to give it all away and be poor. Oh, no, that's not what he says. What does he say? I mean, I know I may sound facetious, but you've got to understand, these are the, this is the junk that comes out of not knowing the Word of God. Read your Bible and you'll be amazed what's in there. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Don't trust in those riches, but trust in the living God. Listen to this now. Who gives us richly all things. He actually wants you to enjoy nice things. 
Say this, my God wants me to enjoy nice things. But while you're enjoying it, look at verse 18. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works and ready to give, willing to share. For what reason? To store up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come to lay hold on eternal life. See, this is about eternal matters. So while you're rich in this world, don't focus on that. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, but then all these things, what things? The things you need, you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to drive, where you're going to live. All these things will be added to you. But my priority is to be a blessing. What I have is so that I can give it to others. That I can be a blessing. Say blessed to be a blessing. Have a look at Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. This is what Pastor Gary shared. And uh, I said to him, you've preached part A for me. So that's less work for me to do now. So read the scripture again. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, is where your heart is also. Your heart reveals where your treasure is. And I was meditating on this because we know that every time you give into the gospel, you are storing in heaven. See, when it comes to investments, if you're just storing just to keep it, just to save up, just to, you know, hoard, hoard, I'm worried, maybe you're going to save up for a rainy day. If you save up for a rainy day, you're confessing there's going to be a rainy day. And when the rainy day comes, it's because you got ready for it. It's like that man, he says, I'm going to, uh, my barns are filled and I've got all this harvest and my barns are too small. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to get more and more and more. And one day when it's all full, then I can sit back and say, now just eat and, and enjoy and celebrate and take your rest. And God said to him, today your soul is required from you. Why? Because you've got your mind on your stuff. When he says your soul, I don't think he was talking about him dying because that's spirit. Soul is the mind. The man lost his mind. Hoarding. Hoarders have lost their mind. How do I make sure that doesn't happen? He says, you store up in heaven. See, it's not talking about just hoarding, because obviously you still need to invest. Jesus said so. He gave one five talents, another two talents, and another one. And the one with the five talents produced five more. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two produced two more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. But the one who just stuck it away, Jesus said, you should at least have put it in the bank where you would have got interest. In other words, when I invest, it's not storing up in case I have a problem. I'm investing because investment increases my income. And God can bless my investments and He can cause greater wealth to flow. And through the greater wealth, I'm more of an effect. I can do more in the kingdom. So God is teaching you to profit. I don't have time to go all the references. Every one of those are scriptures. Just say amen. So you go do a strong study, you'll find it's all there. Amen. So what am I saying? I invest in preaching the gospel. I invest to get people saved. Now here's the thing. You're storing up in heaven treasures. Remember he told 
Paul to tell Timothy, by being generous in this world, you are laying hold of eternal life. And people are so worried about what they're going to use here. How am I going to get my food? How am I going to eat? What, what's my job going to be? And how am I going to get stuff? Listen, how many of you are ready? And it's not going to happen now or tomorrow, but when you're ready to go. When you've done and you finished on this earth, you're done with your assignment. How many of you have no fear of stepping over that line into the realm of the Spirit. In other words, die. Your body dies, yeah, and now you go into heaven. Let me see. How are you ready to do that? Now, let me ask you. Do you know what your address is in heaven? You're going to go over. I'm yeah. Are you wondering, but I need my address. God, please, I need, some, I need stuff ahead of time. Please tell me what my address is. Tell me what my heavenly bank account number is. Uh, I need to know. How many of you haven't even thought about that? I only thought about it just recently. I mean, I've been teaching this for years. And I suddenly had this revelation. I'm going to heaven. I don't know where my address is. I don't even know how much is stored in heaven. I don't know what my bank account. On earth, I can look it up on the internet. But there's no heaven internet. I don't know how, much, how many billions and trillions are already stored in heaven. How many you know there's an economy in heaven? There's an operation. Isn't that right? Uh, where, where's your first meal going to be? You're going to go to heaven and you're not even worried about what you're going to eat. What about your clothes? You're just going to go to heaven and you are fully expecting there's a house waiting for me. My food is ready. I got one. My heavenly garment of righteousness is already there. I got everything I need. It's, it's, it's all, I'm ready. I don't even have to think. I'm not, I didn't even cross my mind. If I'm, going, if I'm stepping out, out my body, boom, I expect my ride to be there. I'm going up into heaven. I expect, come on. But none of us are saying, Father, I believe I have a ride. If I, if I go over, if I go over, please, Lord, let my, my heavenly Uber be there. I need, I need to know, God, please get me. I need, my, I, need, I need my house. Is my house finished? Is my house built? Father, please tell me. I don't want to come until my house is finished. You fully expect everything to be in place. Family of God. It's exactly the same on earth as it is in heaven. You do not have to worry about where your address is. God has it. And all you have to do is trust Him and believe Him and expect it. Hallelujah. God looks after you. He provides your need. Hebrews 6 verse 12, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. Through faith and patience. Through faith, God has pleasure in your prosperity, family. If He has pleasure in your prosperity, how do you know without faith it's impossible to please God? Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things, not just money, but money is included. Prosper in and be in health, even as your, your mind. Keep your mind focused on the purpose. And if you keep your mind focused on the purpose, you will never outrun God's blessing. 
You can never get so far ahead, God's struggling to catch up with you. Because <laughs> God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could ever imagine. How are you ready to live that kind of life? How are you glad you heard the gospel? So family, don't let the enemy ever talk you out of it. I don't care who comes along. Just put that aside and say, Father, I know what your word has said. Now let me ask you. We've been going at this for all since we got here. How many scriptures have you got? How many have you been writing down? How full is your book? Have you heard my opinion anywhere? Or have everything I've said, it is written? Family, believe it. It's the Word of God. I said it's the Word of God. How many you believe that? Say, I receive it. I receive the Word. It is God's promise to me. Amen. And so tonight, if you're trusting God for that, I'm ready to pray a prayer of anointing where God is ready to multiply you, to increase you, to give you a promotion. And it's time to step into that. Amen. And so right now, just at your seat, you'll find there's an envelope. If you can take that envelope. Now, I know many of us give electronically now, but tonight I want everybody to take a physical envelope. There's a reason for it. Now grab a pen. You do come to church with a pen. But tonight you're going to take your pen. Now on that envelope, how many of you have a dream? Do you know what that dream is? Write it down as if though it's done. Write it down like it's done. My house is paid for in full and debt free. Write it on there. What you're trusting God for. If you have staff, it's what I'm believing, is that I'm able to give all my staff an increase. Write it down. What is it, your dream? If you believe in God for an increase, if you say, I have a salary in mind, I don't care what your boss has agreed to, what salary do you have in mind? Write that down. My salary is... If you have a desire to invest, to produce a passive income, what I mean by passive income, you don't have to even go to the office to earn it. It's your investments are doing it. My passive income produces X amount per month. Then write that down. In other words, you, this is what you're trusting God for. It's your confession of faith. Now, the reason I'm asking you to write it down is because we're going to receive these envelopes. And then, I've done this every year. The staff, my staff, our staff, will process the, the finances. That always happens in a, in a controlled environment. It's done in integrity. I never, ever see that. I'm not going to be part of that because I want to walk in integrity with that. So they're going to empty the envelopes, and then that's used in the gospel that's going to be used in the kingdom of God, in the church, you, they then give me the empty envelopes, all those empty envelopes. I've done it every year. And I get those empty envelopes. 
And every day I'm going to pray over it for this next year. I'm going to trust God that what you have said, we're going to agree together on it. If two agree touching anything, it'll be done. And I'm going to be doing that. We're going to stay in agreement. Say amen. So you're going to bring, you're going to hand this in tonight with that confession on there. Now, that harvest, every harvest requires a seed. I don't have time to teach that tonight. But you do understand where Paul said, give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly of necessity. Just the verse before that, he says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So there's a certain seed. Everything you have in your life has come as a result of a seed. So now give us your purpose in your heart. Just ask God, Father, what seed do you require of me? Now, just to show you how it works, Janine and I always, when we believe God for it, we always, we, we're giving all the time. We hardly ever check with each other. We both give, and we don't care what the other one gives. And you know, It's not like, have you overgiven? Yeah, how do you overgive? No, but when it comes to a major seed, we just, as, as a point of contact, I come to and say, what has the Lord asked you to give? And I already have a figure. The other day, it was, it was so cute. I said, what has the Lord told you to give? She looks at me and says, what has he told you to give? I said, no, I want to hear from you. She says, I want to hear from you. And we both had the stare down. And then I thought, well, let me tell her. And as I told her, she opened her mouth and we said the same amount. Boom. Both came out of our mouths together, exactly the same amount. You see, that's what happens when you're in tune and you've got a wife who believes in this as much as you do. And that's why you see the Lord blessing it. Amen. Hallelujah. So know this. Any harvest you see is a result of seed. So get your seed ready. God's spoken to you about a seed. If you know what that seed is, then prepare it. If you're doing it in, uh, in the envelope, as you can use it. Otherwise, the snap scan and Zappa is there. If you're watching from uh, overseas, our Zappa facility is an app that you can load down from the Play Store. And... Uh, the Zappa facility accepts international credit cards as well, so you can use that. So that should be up on your screen now, and you'll be able to use it. All right. Now, traditionally, and this is where I say it's not out of tradition, but it's the way the Bible says that when you bring your offering to the altar, uh, 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 we used to bring it up here because there's a, there's a movement that happens when you trust God. But because of our legal requirement to maintain social distancing, I don't want to compromise that. So in your heart, see yourself coming to the altar with that seed. But what we're going to do is we will ask the ushers to come to you, and then we're going to gather up all the envelopes. All right, so hold that in your hand right now. Father, today we are as a congregation before you. And I've always said, and I stand by it, that I would only say, just as Jesus said, I would only speak that which you have said. And in all integrity, I believe we've heard your word tonight.
for it is all your scriptures, just as the scripture preached to Abraham. You've spoken to us tonight. We thank you, Father, for our salvation. We thank you for our eternal life. We recognize the blood of Jesus is so precious. It is for our salvation, our spirits. And we will never, ever forget that. And we thank you for it. We appreciate it. We also know your desire is for us to enjoy the fullness of your provision. To see you as a God who loves his people and looks out for us. And will provide every need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so today we come as a congregation. And we brought the tithe before you. We know the windows of heaven are open. And you rebuke the devourer for our sake. And so I speak against every lie of poverty. Every lack that tried to attack anybody here under the sound of my voice, whether a business was lost, whether a place of employment was taken away, where people lost income and lost their salaries, that was the thief stealing. And devil, you are exposed as a devourer and God rebukes you for our sake. And I, as a man of God, bind you in the name of Jesus and I cancel every foul assignment that you have even tried to bring against this congregation. And I stop your work in the name of Jesus. The word of God is against you, devil. Our Father... We submitted under your mighty hand. And as we have resisted that lack, we've resisted that poverty, we've resisted the curse, it is fled in the name of Jesus. And tonight, this seed speaks to our future. That's what seed does. It prophesies a harvest. Think about that. When a farmer puts seed in the ground, he is prophesying a harvest out of that field. And it will happen. God's not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. And so, Father, look upon each and every one of these seeds. There is we've purposed in our hearts. This is what we're sowing. And we saying with the seed, we trust you. We trust you just as Isaac sowed. You blessed him and he reaped a hundredfold in the same year. In the same year. I am saying, before this year is finished, there is an outpouring of your grace and your people will see that your grace abounds and we always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. I decree that and I declare it over this congregation in the name of Jesus. I speak prosperity. I speak increase. I speak the blessing of God. It makes you Rich in Jesus' name. Richly to fulfill everything that you need.
to carry out God's assignment in your life. No lack, nothing missing, nothing broken. What God's called you to do, He's already provided. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. If God calls you to do something, you don't have to check your bank balance. You say, yes, Lord. When Jesus said, come to Peter, he didn't check the water. He just jumped out the boat. Why? He trusted God's provision. Listen, if you're out in the middle of the sea and you get out the boat, walking on water, that's prosperity. Without it, you're going down. And what got in the way? How come he started sinking? Fear. Fear. Don't be afraid of tomorrow, family. Your, your seed is a declaration of faith. Lift that before God and say, Father, today I declare with a heart full of faith, I am blessed. I am blessed to be a blessing. In my hand is the declaration of my trust in you. This is fully paid for. It is done. I receive my increase. I receive my bonus. I receive my promotion. In the name of Jesus. Now lift both hands. There it is. There's the anointing right now. Release it. In the name of Jesus. Blessed. You are blessed. In Jesus' name. I want you to read what you've just written there. What do you see? Is it done? It doesn't sound like it. Is it done? What would you do if that was now... Come on, what would you do if this was now? Because it is. I'm calling it, it is. How would you react if you got a phone call to say, this is done? Come on, give your Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. Give Him glory. Hallelujah.